Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, how to grow your organizational and productivity practice, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. With every episode, we're going to learn from subject matter experts who can help you build your business in areas like marketing, HR, and finance. We'll also introduce you to business owners who are out there just like you are, and we'll learn from their successes and challenges. Please welcome your host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello, listeners. This is Stand Out, the podcast all about growing your organizing and productivity business. I'm Sarah Karakayan, your host. From blog posts to writing an ebook to writing an actual real live book, putting our thoughts, lessons, and helpful stories into words isn't always easy and can be super overwhelming, sometimes so much so that we don't know where to start. But professionals do it all the time. For some, the goal of a book is to set themselves apart as industry leaders. Others want their books to become passive streams of income. No matter your goal, writing a book has so many positive side effects. That's why we brought on the best of the best, someone who can finally put the mystery of book writing to rest and give us clarity on where to start and why we should start. Chandra Holmberg, CPO CD, is the owner of Ducks and signs her emails with the title, Primary Instigator of Productivity and Organization for Writers, Creatives, and Dreamers. She understands the challenges and triumphs of being a writer as her fourth book, 31 Small Steps to Organize for Emergencies, was just published in February. Chandra has been in business for 12 years and has lately turned her passion to guiding, mentoring, and coaching fellow writers with a new business, HYH Book Coach, and that stands for Hold Your Hand. She'll inspire you to share your message and get your book or books into the hands of readers everywhere. On her journey to becoming an organizing and productivity consult author and book coach, Chandra Holmberg tackled jobs as varied as bioterrorism preparedness planner for the Hawaii State Department of Health on the Big Island, coordinated environmental and safety training on Johnston Atoll, approximately 850 miles southwest of Hawaii, and, get this, handled health and safety issues for a year at the South Pole Station, Antarctica, with temperatures ranging from a balmy negative 7 degrees Fahrenheit to a chilling negative 112 degrees Fahrenheit. So, Chandra, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Sarah. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you here. I have not written a book, so I have got tons of questions for you. Um, but before we dive in, let's let's dive in a little bit more about this uh, journey to you becoming an organizing and productivity um, consultant, author, and book coach. How did you get started and, and why? Well, let me share how I got started in the organizing industry. Great. I was the bioterrorism preparedness planner for the Hawaii District Health Office. As you can uh, understand that it was a little bit depressing after uh, 9-11 and my day-to-day job was preparing our health department employees to respond to bioterrorism. And it eventually it turned into pandemic and then it turned into the regular flu um, that we were preparing for. I was, there are two things that I do in my life when I am tired, when I'm stressed, when I'm burned out. I organize and I lose weight. 
So <laughs> that time I went to the bookstore when we still had a bookstore in Hilo and I found myself sitting at the chair with five organizing books, flipping through, thinking, how was I going to do the downstairs apartment? How was I going to do the bedroom? And I thought, I can do this. This is something I love to do. Hadn't even heard about Naples. I started thinking, yes, I can do this. And then, of course, there was that inner voice that said, oh, mm -hmm. Chandra, just another brilliant idea that you're not going to do anything with. Mm -hmm. And this time I said, so what? I'll get the books. I'll look into organizing because the worst thing that will happen is my house will be organized and I'll be happier. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so 12 years later, I'm still in the business. At the time, I didn't know about Naples. But of course, as all of the organizers do, they search online of, okay, what is this called? Um, who else is out there? And of course, I found Napo. I was on, in Hawaii, so there was no local chapter. And I'm going to give a plug for the virtual chapter. Great. Because six years later, there were individuals who grew and had this brilliant idea of having a virtual chapter for those people who didn't have a local chapter. I joined. And be careful when you volunteer to, you know, oh, I'll help out because I was one of the founding members. <laughs> because I said I was interested in, in doing, you know, the technology, the web, and I became director of technology. That year, I went to the NAPO conference, and it was the most amazing, welcoming group. Being on the big island, I was pretty much by myself. There were two other organizers on island at the time, one never responded back to me, met the other one, they left. So the virtual chapter and the NAPO conferences were my way of connecting with my peeps. Wow. At the time, I, I didn't call them peeps, but at the time, <laughs> that's, that's exactly what they, they were. Yeah. And that's how I got into organizing. How I got into the journey before that, I was a science geek. I went to school for uh, chemistry and biology, got into environmental management. And every job I was looking for, you know, I was talking with people. And when an interesting job came up, I would apply. So that's how I got to Johnston Island. And I was with the environmental management. Then I met someone there who worked in Antarctica. And I went, oh, I want to do that. And so I went, um, when I left Johnston Island, I went to the South Pole for a year. Then I came back, I went to graduate school, went back to Johnston Island. And so every job was an adventure getting me closer to where I am now. Right, right. Did you, I don't know that I've ever met anyone who has actually been to the South Pole. So now all of us listeners can say we know someone who's actually been there. <laughs> That's right. how, how long were you there for? And what is life like there? Um, I was there for 13 months. Okay. We flew in. At the time, there's, there's a bigger base at South Pole now, so there are more people. But at the time I wintered over, it was 26 of us wintered over. We flew in uh, last of October. Actually, it was the 1st of November because there was a, a snowstorm in South Pole. We flew in at the end of October 
we that's the summer because we're in the southern hemisphere that was the summer then and that's why i said it went all the way up to a minus 7 balmy because <laughs> when i when i landed and i've looked at my notes uh, afterwards but i swear it was minus 50 when i landed i felt like the pillsbury doughboy with my my boots and my hat and my goggles and no uh, it felt like no oxygen because the altitude was so high and then a year later, it's, you know, minus 20, and I'm in a fleece jacket and thinking, oh, this is so warm. <laughs> so I got used to it. Uh, the South Pole Station closed for, in so throughout the summer, so this is the Southern Hemisphere summer, throughout the summer, the planes come in, bring food, bring people, there's construction, there's a lot of science, because that's what the South Pole Station is, is for, is to support the science and the scientists that are there. Gotcha. When the winter comes, the temperatures drop, so planes stop coming. So we brought in all the food for the next six, eight months. The last plane out of the South Pole was in February. The sun set. So because we're at the South Pole, the sun sets once a year and rises once a year. Uh, dawn and dusk are weeks long. <laughs> and during the wintertime, it's dark. So I got to see the southern lights. Um, the beautiful thing about the South Pole was you get to test yourself. Can you be sociable with 26 other people, 25 other people? And there's no plants. We did have a greenhouse. So every once in a while we'd go up and, and we'd uh, eat the, the petunias because <laughs> it had to be edible. Everything that we grew had to be edible. Right. So we'd eat the flowers, we'd eat the, the, the tomatoes, but there's no, there's no soil, there's no, there's no smells because it's, and it's very dry. So when we did arrive in New Zealand after our 13 months there, pretty much all of us just laid on the grass. I smelling bet. grass. <laughs> I bet. But you know, all of those crazy adventures we have in our life, I think really make us better business people because it, it brings some sort of um, story and background that we can bring to our clients, especially as organizers. Some people feel so like, oh, you know, my project or my home is going to be an adventure. And you're like, I lived in the South Pole for 13 months. This is nothing. So you're in good hands. Okay. So then you become, you discover professional organizing as a way to become more happy in your life and more fulfilled due to your, your other uh, job that was very stressful and brought on a lot of, um, uh, you know, difficult every day-to-day -day adventures. Uh, so then what happens when you finally get, you know, your first few clients? Are you automatically, you know, rolling and you've got a good business going? What were some of the pitfalls you experienced? And did you just do residential organizing at first? Or what, was your, what were your first few steps? I focused on residential organizing. And I grew my business. I started growing my business through speaking. So I would go to the library and do presentations. And, and one of the first things I, one of the first presentations I did was on uh, emergency preparedness. Now I had some great advice by another organizer. And that's the beauty of, of connecting with 
other organizers in a, a chapter or at conference is they'll bring that nuggets of information that really will help you. And what she had said was plan that you will get clients two years later. So you go do your presentation and you expect to have them beating down your door and nothing. And so you start thinking, oh, you know, maybe I can't do this. But literally two years later, I started getting calls from those individuals in those class and those courses I did. But the other part of that two years is keep in mind that you need to keep getting the word out there. You need to, if, if speaking is the way you market your business or writing is the way you market your business or blogging or however, you need to keep doing it because it may not pay off immediately, but it will two years down the road or a year down the road. But if you stop doing it two years down the road, you're going to have um, a dry spell. So keep doing what you're doing and learning. Keep practicing. I, I love, mean, that's... I love that. I really, I love how you took what you did in your previous profession and that's how you got yourself started with the library gig. So you talked about preparedness and, and I think a lot of us need to, a lot of people feel like whatever they were doing before they became organizers or productivity uh, professionals, we feel like we have to start all over. But you took what you already had in your toolbox and you started laying a foundation and and also the the waiting, the the laying the foundation and knowing that it's going to pay off eventually is such a great reminder for all of us, especially if you're just getting started, that it's gonna take some time to get rolling. Right, right. And I will say that I started in 2005. There, the Big Island is not, it's not Honolulu. I don't have the millionaires. Uh, and so it was a struggle the first couple years. Then the recession hit. So just about the time I felt, yes, I'm getting clients. Yes, I'm, I'm getting momentum. The recession hit and I um, had to, you know, I lost clients and I had to make a decision whether I was going to quit organizing, you know, completely quit organizing and get a full-time job or get a part-time job so that I could continue to build my business. And I will tell you, I've had two part-time jobs while I'm building my business because ducks and organizing and as the adventure that I've lived in the organizing industry, that's my passion. Right. And yes, my passion kind of changes. It went from residential organizing and now I'm focusing on um, helping writers and creatives. Um, and now I'm coming back full circle into that emergency preparedness. But the idea, here's the point. If it's a passion, find a way to keep it alive mm -hmm. while life is continuing to happen. Right. Well, I think it goes back to that that notion that even if you do get a part-time job while you're getting your business off the ground, pay attention during that part-time job because a lot of those lessons that you'll learn working for someone else and working with whatever industry you're in, you can bring back into your business. Definitely. And one of the other things is keep an eye out. When I started my business, I I was a trainer, I was a speaker, but 
I was terrified of telling people about what I did. <laughs> I was terrified of networking. And it's taken me, you know, 12 years <laughs> to get comfortable and saying, hey, look at my book or, hey, this is what I do. But every side path that you take, whether it's a part-time job or even a full-time job and organizing becomes part-time so that you can get back into full-time organizing, talk with people, share your story because that builds trust, that builds a connection, and they're possibly likely to hire you. Right, right. You never know. Nope, you don't. So let's talk about that first book then. When did that come about and how did someone go from not having a book to having a book and what was that journey like for you? This was in 2012 when Amazon Kindle still allowed you to put a free book out there. Gotcha. And I said, I need to have a free book on Amazon Kindle, even if it's, you know, whatever. And rather than write a book from scratch, I looked at the material that I had created because I'd been in business about seven years. I had lots of content. So I looked around for something that I could repurpose, reuse. I had done a previously, I had done a 31 small steps to organizing your life. It was just a 31 small paragraph uh, that checklist that I offered as a free sign up for to get my email list, or I was a thank you gift to current uh, email subscribers. So I, I made it. Now, I was lucky in that my husband had just published, self published his book. So he could do all the HTML programming. And my sister is a traditionally published writer uh, in, fi in fiction. So I was able to learn a lot of the tricks and the whole process. So my husband took over my book. And as the people we love and that love us have a tendency to do is they make it grander and bigger than you think you could go. <laughs> and when it were finished, I was going to do it for free. And both of them said, no, you will not offer this for free. You will charge. Terrified. Push the buttons. Uh, and at this time, we had done Create Space for print and Kindle, uh, Kindle Direct Publishing for the ebook. And at the end, I was like, oh, that was easy. <laughs> Let me write another one. <laughs> You're addicted. <laughs> I'm addicted. And so I wrote 31 small steps for, uh, to, to organize for weight loss. Then, you know, doubts came in. I'm not sure I can do this, so on and so forth. But I knew the process. And I, and I listened to the first podcast with Gerilyn. And you started off with a class with Gerilyn. And, and somebody connected me with Gerilyn because she was taking her blogs, which is one of the things that I recommend is practice writing your blogs. Blogging is great content. So anyway, she was taking her blogs from her hoarding or her hoarding blogs and she wanted to make it into a book. And a friend of ours, mutual friend connected me. And what I, how I describe it is I kind of verbally vomited everything I knew about self-publishing to Gerilyn. Right. And she said, you should offer this as a service. Now, Gerilyn is a great 
pusher, supporter, encourager. Then a year later, um, I helped her with some marketing for the book after she had self-published. I helped her with Mm -hmm. marketing. And she basically told me, you will start a service. You will call it Hold Your Hand. You will uh, submit a a proposal to speak at NAPO. Um, And so I listened um, and I spoke at NAPO 2016 on the seven truths of becoming a published author. I called my uh, services HYH or Hold Your Hand. And I began to write a book about um, it's, it's titled Paint the World with Your Words, because I'm really passionate that everybody has a message to share. It may not be in a book form. It could be in a blog form. It could be in a newsletter. It could be in a video blog, so a vlog. It could be in speaking. It could be one-to-one. But you have a message to share. And I really think that we can change the world. You can, we can paint the world with your message or with your words. So I was writing this paint the world with your words and realized in four years, the self-publishing industry had changed dramatically. Kindle was no longer, uh, you could no longer put a free Kindle up. There were um, Kindle Unlimited, CreateSpace. A lot of other things have changed. So I realized that in order to write this this writing and publishing book, I needed to publish a current book. So I sat down and because I love, I can make stuff up, but I also love structure. So I already had a structure, 31 small steps. So I used that structure. And one of the ways that I wrote that 31 small steps to organize for paper organize your paper was by blogging. Anytime there was a problem or I was stuck, I would blog an article about that content because then I was writing for my readers. I was writing for people I actually knew who would read and and respond back. I didn't write every single chapter as as a blog, but that's how I used the blogs to help me move forward with the book. And that's one of the things that I I recommend to um, writers. Now, I define an author as someone who's published. I define a writer as someone who writes their name or journals or writes a blog or writes an email. But the key point is you have to write. If you want to be a writer, you have to write and you have to practice. And one of the things that I learned I started blogging. So this was long before I even thought of becoming a writer or an author. I started blogging because that was the way I was supposed to, you know, I was supposed to have an email, build my email list. And that's what I was supposed to do to build my business. I never called myself a writer. I never thought that I could write. Partly because commas and I, have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> I either put them in or take uh, leave them out, and it should be the other way. Right. I I believe that if if you can't think of more than one way to spell a word, you have no imagination. <laughs> now, my mother, the English teacher, did not agree. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, so, 
I grew up thinking I couldn't write, thinking writing was just too hard. I, you know, it, I can't do it because I had this picture that writers sit down and at the time was typewriters or, or handwriting. They sit down and they come up with these beautiful paragraphs in one sitting. Mm -hmm. And it's not true. It is not true. Um, I, I first had this clue when I was on Johnston Island and I saw my husband, he, he had to go to these, these daily meetings, which were boring, weekly meetings, which was boring. So he liked to put them into a, um, a funny um, gumshoe type, you know, all the meeting notes into a gumshoe detective story type oh, thing. Oh, fun. And they were hilarious. And I saw him write at one time and it took him three hours to write you know, five paragraphs. I'm like, oh, it's not, it doesn't come naturally. You have to, you know, delete, write, delete, change it, so on and so forth. So what I tell anyone who thinks that they might want to write, start blogging, share ideas, share content, and grow, grow in the practice. I started writing a weekly blog in 2007 and I've looked back and I can see where I've grown, where I've improved and I wouldn't have improved if I hadn't have started. Right. So if you want to become a writer, start writing. Right. I Practice. love that you, you went to your blog because you, you felt you were read, you were writing for people who were already engaging with you. They were already reading your material, but I also hear it as, you're breaking it down into little bite-sized chunks. So you're yes. also making it more approachable and less of a sitting down in front of this empty screen writing your greatest work of art, you know? So I think that's important too. Do you think it's essential for us to, if we haven't started blogging or if we have, should we change it so that we're thinking someday this will be a book or should we just kind of write what is important to our business right now or what our clients are asking for and worry about the book later? Write for the moment, write for your clients, write for you. I mean, sometimes there, sometimes my blog is a response to a previous comment from last month's blog. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll focus on that. And sometimes it's, I'm struggling with something. What helps me? And I share that with, with the readers. So, and do not, I don't think of your book as the goal. Mm -hmm. Think of the paragraphs, think of the sections, think of the books that are, excuse me, the chapters that grow into the book. Because one of the things that I've learned and I see with my, my clients is you, you sit down to, to write a book and you think you're going to go one way. But as you're writing, you're like, oh, I need to include this. And oh, I didn't think about that. So the book changes as you write it. And the first draft, and this is what I tell my clients, just put it down. Write anything and everything that you think you want, whether it's in a blog or, or a book or an article, and then edit, cut the beautiful 
paragraphs and sentences that you struggled and you love, if they don't move the story or the, the message forward, cut them, save them because it can be great social, mar uh, social media marketing blurbs. So nothing goes to waste. But what you're trying to do is you're, when you're in the editing process, you're cutting away the non-message. The, the words that can uh, confuse the message and you want to clean up and polish the message. So I don't recommend people sitting down to write a book. I recommend people sitting down to share a, share a message, build a con, uh, content, and then polish the manuscript to become a book. Gotcha. That seems so much more achievable than sitting down and saying, this is going to be my Amazon bestseller. Here we go. Right. <laughs> right. And there's two things uh, for that. First of all is some, we think we may still think that a book is 50,000 or a hundred thousand words, but that's not necessarily true because if you think about our clients, they're busy, they want targeted information, a trend a possible trend. I mean, some people want to have that meaty book that has all the answers, but sometimes they just want to sit down um, or take with them a 10,000, 15,000 word book that targets a specific challenge they're faced with. You know, it doesn't talk about all the other things that you, they could do, but just that one specific thing. So think about if you do have a blog or if you ha have a clear uh, message, it doesn't have to be 50,000 words. It can be 10, 12,000, 15,000 words. Right. You mentioned that you started with eBooks as an, e as an email exchange on your, on your website. You wrote a book in exchange for email addresses. Did you find success with that? Is that something, is that another idea in addition to blogging that maybe would be a great first or second step? So what I offered was a PDF, which is technically an ebook. Mm -hmm. It's just not a Kindle. Honestly, I did not see a huge increase in email subscribers to my newsletter. Where I got the biggest increase in my emails newsletter was speaking. Ah, I had a lot of people sign up for my, my newsletter um, after I spoke because that was, they, they got to hear one, me, one person with many, and then they were willing to give me their email address. So it wasn't, it wasn't quite one-to-one, -one, but it was a little bit more one-to-one. -one. And then eventually they were more comfortable and they were ready to, um, hire me or talk with me. So I, I definitely recommend a, if you've got a, I mean, you can do a book, you can, you can even do first draft. Okay. Here's first draft. Um, I haven't done the editing. Um, it's not definitely you want to uh, at least run it through an online editor before sure. you hand it out, but it may not be as polished. Um, you could certainly offer that for your email list. I'm still learning how to grow my email list. Yeah, I'll we all are. It's okay. 
<laughs> I think we all are. But I love, so when you were speaking at libraries and you were just getting started, I don't, I don't know the timeline for you here, but would it have been wise to bring that, that freebie, that PDF, that ebook to your speaking engagements? And in addition to getting email address, giving out your writing to those attendees, kind of like speakers do now with selling a book in the back. Is that a great way to start out and to get your words out there? I needed to talk with you when I first started my business. That was a brilliant idea. Um, So yes, that is definitely something. Um, I didn't have the book at the time. Sure. It was, it was several years later, but here's, there's, there's several reasons to write a book. One, become a New York best, uh, best seller list. Well, I can't help you with that. And most editors and agents can't help you because they don't know exactly how, how to get that perfected. Um, if you're a speaker, you, you'll want to have a book so that you can be the expert. You can sell it at the back of the, the room. But the other thing that I, why I recommend having a book is for those clients that can't afford you, they have information and they still have your name and they'll, um, and if it's not a full blown book, that PDF of, um, you know, hundred tips and tricks to uh, organize your kitchen or whatever, they will take that and they will keep it in their, their desk on their off, maybe even on the refrigerator and two years down the road, they'll be ready, they'll have the money, they'll be ready to call you. So yes, having something that is useful, that they can refer to on a routine basis, I highly recommend um, speakers or uh, do that. Or even if you're just going to a networking uh, group, have something that the individuals can, can take away with them with your name, with your uh, logo, with all of your contact information. And one of the questions that um, I've been asked several times is, do you want to copyright it? Do you want to sell it? Here's what I say, and I've learned this from other people, is if your tip sheet gets passed around to 12 other people and it has your contact information, your name, your branding on it, it's called marketing. <laughs> it's not, they're not stealing your ideas for free. It's marketing. Right, right. I have a question about the passive income side of having a book, but before we dive in, let's take a quick break. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University's live webinars. These webinars are offered several times each year. Many of NAPO University's courses are also available on demand, which enables students to purchase them and then watch or listen at any time. We have more than 140 courses ranging from starting an organizing business to productivity chain assessment and everything in between. Visit napo.net to learn more. Okay, we are back. We have Chandra Holmberg, who is an expert at writing books and having it be the key to growing your business in an authentic way and in a way you may already be uh, 
you know, well on your way doing if you're already blogging or writing newsletters. We've been talking about the pros of writing a book and Shonda talked about it can help you grow your email list or make you the expert if you're a speaker um, doing whether you're at libraries or speaking to bigger audiences. But now I want to know, can we make money? off of these books? Are they, are, are we able to produce passive streams of income? The answer is maybe. <laughs> it's not Fair. the answer you want. Fair. One of the things that I ask my clients is what is your idea of success? Hmm. If your idea of success is making, let's say a thousand dollars a year on royalties on your book, mm-hmm. it's possible depending on the marketing you do, how comfortable you are calling the newspapers and the radio stations and getting on their talk shows and how easy it is for you to send it out and say, I want to come talk about my book or I want to come talk and I want to sell that. There are some marketing. I'm using Amazon marketing services and I'm finding a huge success Mm -hmm. in that. There are some other marketing, there's BookBub, there's some large ticket, well, large ticket for, in my opinion, large ticket is $150 or more, Um, and they may or may not work. Hmm. What I recommend, what I tell clients is, if you want to retire on one book, I can't help you. Gotcha. Because... One of the ways that you get an income, a a really, really, really good passive income is by writing five or 10 books. Mm. So having that multiple, that multiple books, if it's just one, it will be passive income. You may not be able to retire on it, (laughs) but it is, think of, of a book as a marketing uh, tool. Because you can, as a speaker or just um, an organizer, you can say, I'm an author, I'm a speaker, I'm a, and I've got, this is my book. You can certainly take it to, um, one of the things we did, because I'm, I lived in Hawaii, I now live in Pennsylvania, I still belong to the virtual chapter, but I now also belong to the Napo Pittsburgh chapter, mm-hmm. because I'm close. And so I can, you can belong to virtual and a local group. In January, we had a symposium. So we had some panel speakers. We had the general public come, ask questions, help them. Several of our chapter members are authors. We had a table. We were part of the vendor and we sold books. And that was a great opportunity to sell books actually get some income. Those vendor events don't always come along, but it's, that's, one, that's another way to have a passive income is to sell it in vendor events um, from the speaker and the, on Amazon. Gotcha. Let's talk about the difference between self-publishing and I guess, do you call it just traditional publishing when, when someone else publishes you? What's the difference? So there are actually three types of publishing. There's the self-publishing or indie publishing, independent publishing. There is the traditional publishing that we think of like the big five, 
Um, there's medium publisher size publishers. There's small size publishers. In between, and we're seeing a lot, of, you probably see a lot of those in some trade magazines, is companies who they will help you publish for $10,000 or they will help you publish for X number of dollars. It used to be that self-publishing was frowned upon because, and, and you may have heard the, a term in the past, vanity publishing. And that's where the author pays the publisher to get their books in print and get it published. Traditional publishing is where a publish, uh, you either get an agent or if you're lucky, you submit directly to the editor, but that's uh, few and far between. You get an agent to shop your book around to, to publishing houses. I recommend that if you're going to write one book, self-publish. Don't spend the time marketing your manuscript to an agent who will, and trying to sell the agent on your book. Market your book. Get the book out there. Start building your social media following. Start talking about your book. Start selling your book and seeing the rank because um, on Amazon, the lower the sales rank, that means the more you sell and that, that visibility. The reason being is it can take up to two to three years if you get an agent and your agent gets into the publishing house. It can be two to three years before your book gets out, out there. In three years, you could have sold your book, learned more, and then you can still submit your book to the traditional publishers. The traditional publishers are no longer, one of the things that I hear from clients is, well, I don't want to market my book. I don't want to have to sell my book. I don't want to have to talk about my book. Well, I'll tell you, traditional publishers are looking for people who will talk about their book. They're looking for people who can, that have a following on social media, who can do a radio or podcast or radio interview, they're looking for people who will market their book with them because most of the traditional publishers are not putting a lot of money in. So if you can self-publish, keep all the royalties for yourself, grow all of your following, grow your marketing, grow your visibility in, in newspapers and radio and all of that stuff, then either your next book can, you might have a chance at getting traditionally published. I'm a firm believer in self-publishing because I'd rather write the next book than try and sell my book to an agent mm -hmm. and get shot down repeatedly. Someday, maybe I might be interested in a traditional publishing, but it's probably more likely that I'll be waiting for them to come talk to me yeah. rather than uh, go searching for them. Right, right. Yeah. So if, if someone self-publishes a book, are they just as, an, as much of an expert as if someone who gets it traditionally published? Is, is, I don't know if that's a thing within that industry or if... Okay. The issue may arise that some people think that self-published books have, they're not as, they're not as professional looking, they're not as, um, as professionally edited. Ultimately, that's possible, but 
so is the traditional publishing book. I've, I've read a lot of traditional publishing book that I say, did you not edit this? Um, in fact, I just did, this was last year, on a, a major book. I mean, we all know it. We've all used it. And I'm reading the Kindle and I'm like, did you not, did no one actually read this? Because they have page numbers. And it's like, this is a Kindle. You didn't even bother changing the manuscript to a Kindle version or an ebook version. So yes, it's going to take more time and more effort, possibly more money for a independently published author to get a good editor who will check the commas, check the formatting, check the, how it looks. That is really key. At the same time, I believe that if you wait around to get have your book perfect, you'll be waiting around a long time. Right. Because whether it's my books or uh, other books, I know that, as so, in fact, uh, the 31 Small Steps to Organize for Emergencies, I hit the publish button. You know, I, I, uh, my editor looked at it twice. No, actually, my two editors looked at it twice. I looked at it three times. I looked through it. I hit publish on Kindle, looking through it again, and I, I found some editing errors. It happens. Yeah. But because I had so many eyes and such good editors, I think that it, uh, the, the errors that are in the book will not draw the reader I won't push the reader out of their experience. Now, when it comes to, so that's the content, that's the, the words on there. When it comes to the quality of the book itself, so this is print book. I mean, uh, Kindle, it's pretty much your, your um, the reader's experience and the tools. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the print book, the CreateSpace, Ingram Spark. And Amazon are now doing what is called uh, print-on-demand, POD, print-on-demand. It's different than in the past where you have traditional publishers offset printing and all of this stuff. The quality of the paper and the quality of the cover is so much better than traditional publishing because it's not that cheap Uh, that cheap paper that you can see the print coming through on the other side. This is actually good quality paper. The, the cover, and I definitely recommend if you're using create space to go with the matte cover, the matte cover feels good. And in reality, some of these small and medium sized traditional publishing houses are using create space and Ingram Spark. Mm-hmm. So they're using the same publishing uh, printer as as self uh, self published authors are. So wow. And I, I've not written a book yet, so I'll say this, you know, with a grain of salt. But it seems to me, as technology advances, the middleman for a lot of things is kind of getting, you know, wiped out. So self publishing to me sounds like a no brainer, uh, as long as you've got a little bit of. Um, some guts in you and you're not afraid to self-promote and you, and you ask people who have been there before you, or you hire a coach and just do those little things so that your product is, is, uh, polished 
and well put together and you've got some thought behind it. I have a question for you though. Once the book is written, or let's say we have listeners out there who've already written a book, do you have any tips or tricks on how to approach radio shows or podcast shows or morning TV shows to, to market those books that way? What, is, what are some of the tried and true ways that you've used that have been successful? I'll be honest, I'm terrified. <laughs> I wrote my first interesting press release. I was, I was so excited because I've tried press releases before. Uh-huh. Again, this, is, this has been a 12-year journey sure. for me to get comfortable in talking about me. Um, tooting my own horn or just talking about the services that I'm, I'm passionate about offering. And for this last book, I finally did a press release that was not the Chandra Holmberg local author. No, 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 no. I actually wrote a story. I did some background and I'll tell you later how, how it, how it worked. Cause it just went out last week. <laughs> That's wonderful. With radio talk shows, with newspaper, here's the best way that I can do. I mean, there are other people. I am so in awe of those individuals who can walk up to a stranger and say, hi, I'm an author. You should have me on your radio show in, in a better way. But I'm in awe of those people who can do it cold. Me too. <laughs> How I do it is I talk to the people I know saying, you know, I'm interested in going on a radio show or I'm interested in being interviewed or I'm interested in just getting the word out. And if you talk to a few people, some of them will say, oh, I know someone. Mm-hmm. Let me connect you. The other way that I would suggest is becoming involved with your NAPO chapters, with NAPO head, you know, with the, the uh, NAPO national and building the connections to other organizers and building your comfort level in talking about your services and talking about, and, you know, media training Take the opportunities to connect with your fellow organizers, volunteer for NAPO National or your local chapter, because then, I mean, this is a slow way of doing it, but then you're not alone in getting the word out. I mean, for example, I went to, again, NAPO Pittsburgh had the symposium in January. I because I love public speaking, okay, I offered to be the panelist, uh, not, uh, not a panelist, the facilitator for a panel. Mm-hmm. And because I was selling my book, the keynote speaker who does a podcast came over and said, oh, I want to interview. And I'm like, okay, yes, I'd love to. But if I hadn't volunteered to be the facilitator for the panel discussion, I may not have been able to show my capability off. I am a director of communication for a volunteer organization, a preparedness organization. And I was talking to one of the the, uh, vice presidents and he's like, oh, you know, we could do the radio show and we could do the newspaper. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. Yes. (laughs) Because that's not, you know, I would never go out and cold call, Mm -hmm. but having that warm introduction I'm all for that. 
Right. Sounds like and that's one of the, sorry, just keeping your eyes and ears yeah. open for opportunities. It really is. And one of the things with networking is building the connections mm-hmm. and talking. I mean, sharing your dreams, sharing your passions, sharing um, celebrations with other people. I mean, obviously it's not just a, all about you. It's about the connection. But until you actually talk with other people, you never know what the possibilities are. Right, right. Okay, so at the end of every episode, I like to kind of, because there's a lot, especially if you've never written a book, uh, but I know listeners leave inspired. But let's say they have two sticky notes and they're going to write two things down this week that they need to do to be well on their way to writing their first blog post or ebook or or book itself what are two sticky note items our listeners can put into practice maybe this week maybe this month that will make a big impact on their business this year the first one would be success is a moving target mm. because when you sit down to write a book you think your success is just getting the book published but then as soon as you get it published you're like oh well that was you know could have been a year long thing but it wasn't as hard as you thought it would be because you took it step by step by step, paragraph by paragraph. And so at the end, you're thinking, well, yeah, that was my goal for success, but now I want it to be, you know, give me $1,000 this year. Mm-hmm. So success is a moving target. I always remind people, what was your first definition of success? Because then you've already met it. The second one is if you talk about wanting to write a book, the post-it note would say, shut up and write. <laughs> and I say this because this is long before I was a writer. My boyfriend at the time, my husband now, but my boyfriend at the time constantly talked about he wanted to be a writer. And finally, I'm like, so shut up and write. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be a bestseller. Just sit down, butt in the chair, fingers on the keyboard, and write. Obviously, I didn't, I didn't hurt his feelings because we're married and he's, he's written. But I would say stop talking about it and do it. I love that. I love that it's to the point. It's a little jarring, but that's sometimes what we need. <laughs> we need just enough of the sugar coating and just do it already. Um, so that, those are two great takeaways that I think are very easy to implement. Even if it's a sentence, everyone just maybe sit down and maybe the the title is, this is my attempt at writing. And then just write a sentence or a paragraph. You get it? Get it down. I love it. I love it. Okay. Shonda, where do you hang out? If our listeners want to keep in touch with you or follow you in your journey, where's your favorite place to hang out online? I'm most active on my Ducks Facebook page, which is Ducks in a row. And that Ducks is with an H. It's D-H-U-C-K-S in a row, as in get your ducks in a row. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm also building my Facebook, my HYH book coach on tips for writing a book and publishing a book. And that is Facebook and it is HYH book coach. Wonderful. We'll put those in the show notes too so that our listeners can get a hold of you easily. I thank you. I thank you so much for your time and your expertise today. Listeners, I encourage all of you to uh, write something. And even if you don't plan on writing a book, as Chandra pointed out, it's just great to have content for 
clients, potential clients, even those that maybe can't afford our services to be able to reach and help as many people as possible. That's why I'm in this business. And I'm sure that's why you're in this business as well. Uh, if you do write a book or you have something going on, let us know. We want to celebrate with you. This is all about growing our businesses together. Um, I'm Sarah Karakayan. That wraps up this episode of Stand Out. Thank you for hanging out with me and I'm learning right along with you. So I, I you know, I haven't written a book yet, but I, I, it's definitely on my to-do list. Um, if you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with snippets of inspiration or something valuable, please leave us a review, hit that subscribe button, and share it. Share it with your colleagues, with your coworkers, with anyone who may find it valuable. I thank you for your time, and I cannot wait to see you next time on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Stand Out, brought to you by the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to learn more about our educational offerings, our local chapters, and both certification and certificate opportunities. Don't miss an episode as we help you build the business you've always dreamed of owning.